0: Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast and create some terms hello and welcome to the creative financing podcast i'm
1: your host jonathan Gallegos, here with jeff rapaport and today guys we have a special guest on today by the name of farouk mademino he's out of new jersey um, he called into our hotline uh, with a deal that he was working on he made some offers um, and so he reached out to us uh, for help and so we wanted to get him on the podcast to make a show out of it, because if we can help Farouk, we certainly can help you guys out there. Um, so Jeff, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, what you know, first of all, and then we'll bring on Farouk. But you're the one that kind of wanted to make an episode out of this. So I just wanted to get your, uh, your intake on that.
2: Yeah, so um, uh, so I called him, as I try to do with everyone. Hold on, let me get rid of these notifications. It's so annoying. Um, uh, and so we chatted about, uh, the deal and, um, some interesting things came up and I thought that that would be a good, uh, episode to make on the podcast. And now just speaking with him prior to doing this, uh, I think there's another couple of issues. So, um, we'll address them all and, uh, hopefully, uh, we can report back and say Farouk got the property under contract and is um, happy uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, that'd be good news. All right, yeah. Farouk, um, just give us a, a brief introduction of yourself, if you would, uh, kind of how long you've been in real estate investing, if you're brand new, um, or if you've done some deals before. Um, I know you're in New Jersey, right? Um, are, you, are you wholesaling out there, flipping, or are you just getting started?
3: Okay. Hi, guys. Um, thank you so much for inviting me over to this podcast. Very excited. Um, I am based out of Jersey City, New Jersey, and uh, I live and invest here in Jersey City. Um, I have gotten into real estate. Um, my first purchase was in 2014, so uh, good times. Um, and uh, that was my first um, ever uh, real estate purchase. That was a multifamily um rehab um project and i did it all myself um through youtube videos so i learned a lot uh, i had no idea about um that about this business of real estate um and i did not intend to go into this i just wanted to be a homeowner i always wanted to um uh, own my own place and then um when i got it they had two units so i rehabbed um both units and we we, li- we lived in one we still live uh, to this day. Live here. With family, and the other one we started renting, and that was uh, covering the the mortgage except for the insurance. So that was uh, an amazing uh, discovery uh, for me. I mean, I kind of knew that it was going to help me, but when I started receiving the checks, I mean, you already know, right? My mindset, my mindset was changed. So I started kind of reading and um, learning about it, and um, I learned about cash out refinance options. So eventually, um, after the the house appreciated uh, about a year and a half later, I went ahead and uh, cashed out some equity and uh, put down um, on another investment property in the neighborhood. Uh, That's also similar uh, layout two-unit multifamily, and we rehabbed it. Um, Back then, I had my uh, corporate job, W-2 job, so I had saved up some cash so we used all of it for uh, to rehab
2: the
1: property
3: and uh, that's how it started and then late 2008 that was 2017 basically when we finished the rehab and started renting it and that was amazing that was almost like a side business Uh, it was bringing like a potential uh, side income so i was And then I started like learning and uh, reading into it more and more. And then uh, around 2018, I discovered Bigger Pockets, and uh, that was the beginning of um, of my whole real estate uh, business focus. Um, After that, I um, started like educating, networking with people, going to meetups, Um, and then my focus was um, buy and hold, basically uh, buy value add properties, smaller. Two to four um, unit properties around here because I I, I feel comfortable in this market. Although New Jersey is not the most uh, landlord friendly or uh, tax friendly state, uh, I kind of know uh, my market like Hudson County, uh, like the back of my hand. So I feel comfortable. So I started looking here, like for off market, on market, like doing. Uh, some creative um, research. And then eventually, uh, last year, um, I put two, two houses on the contract with partners because um, I didn't have enough cash reserves anymore. And um, we rehabbed those. We are renting them. So right now, we hold four uh, small multifamilies. Well, uh, between uh, the three partners, we have total of six properties in Jersey City, cool. uh, which we hold for uh, buy and hold, like rent them.
2: Okay, are you doing this full time now for
3: yes, actually, uh this allowed me to uh finally quit my w two job last year in May <laughs> I left my um, corporate job that I was with for about seven over seven years and um, I've been happy ever since nice.
1: That's awesome Good for you Joe yeah. thank you way to go okay, so um you got a deal that you've been working on, um, so I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty new to kind of using some creative financing strategies. Um, So let's, let's dive into that deal that you got. Um, And so, you know, tell us how you found it. Tell us, you know, about the property, whether it's multi-unit or single family home. Um, And then kind of tell us what you're looking to do with it and some offers that you made on it. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll uh, see what Jeff has to say and where he can add value.
3: Cool. So uh, yeah, at, um, at this point, about last year, like, I mean, we, I analyze uh, hundreds of deals uh, on, on the market, and I also drive around the neighborhood, make calls, whatever I see, like, for rent sign, um, try to find out if the landlord is trying to sell. Um, and with this uh, competitive market that we have now, uh, all the New York uh, real estate investors are flocking in. Um, Jersey City is a very hot market overall, like Hudson County, Essex County, around Newark. A lot of development is going on, so it's very competitive uh, to find any good deal that makes sense as far as like cash flow, uh, good cash flow, and, and that that was the time I started like looking into more uh, creative financing strategies. Uh, started on bigger pockets, and uh, and then eventually uh, other uh, resources. Eventually uh, found Drew guys, and uh, I, I learned a lot. Um, so this <coughs> property I found, uh, drive and I saw a for rent sign. So I called them. Um, and, uh, I just asked if they were, uh, first I asked about like the, the apartment they were trying to rent. Um, and then I, I just casually asked, uh, if they would be considering, uh, selling the property. Um, and they were like, yeah, why not? If the price is right, uh, we can talk. So we met up at one point um, toward the property, uh, and then I, um, when they asked me like what what I had in mind, I uh, proposed this seller finance um, deal. Although I didn't have a lot of uh, information myself, I didn't know how I was going to structure it, um, and he got interested. So I I, I sent him uh, some information so he could uh, the owner could uh, study up and uh, see what what he was uh, getting into. Um, and he showed interest, um, and then we from that uh, we started talking and talking and uh, let me tell you about the property. Um, it is uh, in McGinley Square, which is a desirable family oriented uh, neighborhood. It has a lot of big houses with uh, driveways uh, most of the time, um big backyards, so a lot of families move in, tend to move in um, some um you know young professionals but mostly families. Uh, very close to the uh, transportation around it, so a very desirable neighborhood. Um, the asking price, after I spoke to the owner, he's very well educated of the market uh, trends. So um, he's he's like, okay, this is a three-unit building. I want $600,000 for, for the building. Um, it has one um, four-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bathroom unit, which is completely rehabbed. Uh, one unit is a three bed, one bath, which has tenants, long, long time tenants, uh, which doesn't have um, uh, rehab. It, it needs work. And then the basement unit is a studio, full bathroom, uh, full kitchen studio. Um, that needs a little bit of rehab, like painting and uh, some minor plumbing. Um, so, three units. Uh, he's asking six, 600K. Um, he wasn't willing to share his, um, mortgage information. Um, so I, based on my research, I found that, uh, he owes about 245 K on, on the property. Still, he has mortgage for that amount. Um,
1: 45 you said? Yeah.
3: Um, so potential gross rent based on current markets after rehabbing all the units and getting new tenants into that uh, unit that has tenants, uh, I'm estimating around $5,000, $5,000. Okay.
2: Um, the expenses could… Well, um, before, you, before you get into that, what, what do you think the ARV is?
3: Uh, the ARV, um, based on the current market, it's about 650 to seven hundred
2: fifty k. Okay, so why such the big?
3: Uh, it depends range. on the finishes. Basically, if you have like more higher end um, finishes when you rehab the house, it's gonna go on a higher end, okay. based on what I see, um, uh, what what has been sold. On the lower end, uh, it will be more like basic um,
2: rehab. So you think right now this property is worth more like six fifty ish, right, rather than the seven fifty? Right. Okay. Why don't you go through the expenses a little bit?
3: Okay, so annual taxes currently are 7127 So $7,127. Um, sewer uh, and um, the, all the utilities that are basically separate and they're um, sub-metered water uh, meters for each unit. So um, the expenses uh, will be sewer, common area electric, so I'm estimating about $1,200 a year.
2: That's pretty cheap.
3: And then the annual taxes, oh, I'm sorry, the the insurance, the annual insurance, uh, I'm estimating around $2,000 a year.
2: So when you started trying to put this together, it made it a little difficult, didn't it, when you just don't know what's owed and what that monthly payment is, right? right yeah what what did you do i yeah you know, i know you came up with a number to offer and but how did you i mean you, you don't know what his payment is that, that payment could be 1500 or it could be 2500
3: so at the beginning i assumed that it was um he owned it outright he he, he didn't uh have any mortgage so i um I ran my numbers um, based off of that, and I offered to the seller um, five percent down payment, uh, amortized over thirty years, with a four percent interest rate. And uh, that was a very interesting idea to the seller. Uh, That's why he got interested when I told him that he could earn on the interest. Uh, And then he asked me, "Okay, um, why don't you do the?" amortization and uh, like show me the breakdown so i did organization okay. yeah so a monthly payment um came up to about uh thirty two hundred uh, initially and then i don't know why but he asked me to um keep the um i guess because of his mortgage keep the um the payments at certain certain amount about sixteen hundred or something like
2: that three thousand i think right
3: Yeah, so the total uh, principal and interest came up to $3,000. He came back, he countered with 7% down payment, so um, I agreed and uh, ran the numbers at 7% down, um, 30-year and 4% uh, with a five-year balloon. Uh, I chose five-year because um, after I I ran my amortization uh, calculation, it looked like uh, by year four, I would have enough equity, paid down enough equity, um, that if if this were to appraise at six fifty in five years, I think seventy-five percent
2: would be what I owed. Okay. So let, let me ask you the so basically what you did is you offered six hundred thousand yeah. with forty two thousand dollars down. Correct. So that's five hundred and fifty-eight thousand that you're asking the seller to finance at four percent, amortized over thirty years. Yep. That payment would be twenty-six sixty-three principal and interest. How did you get your payment to three thousand so you could give him what he wanted?
3: Um, let me pull up my. Um...
2: Amortization. My guess is is that you're just paying off more principal, right? That- right.
3: Yeah. No. He wanted me to uh, keep the principal at a certain. Uh, here, are my notes. Uh, he said, eighteen um, eighty-six has to be the principal. So I um, changed the formula when I was doing the amortization to keep that at eighteen eighty-six.
2: Okay. Um. Okay. <clears throat> So, but, uh, explain that to me again. So, what's eighteen eighty six?
3: So, eighteen eighty six would be the principal, and then eleven fourteen would be the uh, interest part of the three thousand monthly payments.
2: So, you were getting eighteen hundred plus dollars going toward principal every month. Right. Well, that's super good. Uh, that that's only getting you twenty one thousand plus in equity a year. Um, so. Basically, in five years, you'd have $100,000 or more in equity. Right. Can't complain about that offer, okay? Um, So what would that – so if you have a $3,000 a month principal and interest payment, all your expenses, what's that going to net you? And how much money do you think you're going to have to put into the property? What, what, What does this get you?
3: So I estimated about twenty thousand uh, dollars for the rehab of the second unit and the basement unit, the ground floor. Um, the where was I?
2: The
1: twenty k rehab. I thought you said five k before.
2: No. So I think it's twenty. Okay. Um, and you, you're going to get five thousand dollars a month rents, right? You're going to increase right. the rents. And I think you're going to make about, what? where are you going to be? About um, 3800 3900 is that right? Um, $3,800 in payment and yeah, 3860 for... Um, with all the expenses? Yeah, right. payment yeah. and expenses. Which, that gets you, what, about $1,100 a month, something like that, cash flow? Yep,
3: 1133 Okay. In cash flow which is about um, cash on cash was 7% down and 20% I mean 20,000 in rehab it puts me around 19% okay
2: so 19% cash on cash return does that meet your criteria and your partner's criteria yes
3: that should yeah. be very good
2: Okay, I, I would agree um, that that's and on top of it you're getting a five-year term and you're getting rapid principal pay down So you shouldn't have to come up with any more money. Actually, probably when you refinance could even pull out a little bit of money and uh, take back, you know, a good portion of your down and rehab costs. So you're not going to have to leave it necessarily in the property.
1: Yeah. Can I point something out real quick? Sure. So the the reason, and this is for our listeners out there, the reason why this deal looks so good right now with a nineteen percent cash on cash return is because two things: he got in light, and he's getting a ton of principal pay down, right? So Jeff and I always teach this on the podcast that you got to get in light, and you got to keep your payment, you know, reasonable. So his payment is actually uh, pretty good. I mean, there's some cash flow there um, at the end of the month, right? Um, And so I I just wanted to point that out to our audience for all those who are listening out there. That's why this deal works.
2: Well, cash on cash return is absolutely a function of the amount of cash flow. So the the better the cash flow, typically the the higher the cash on cash and the lower amount of money that you've got in it, your money in it, not borrowed money, money that you had to come out of pocket. And in this case, um, uh, you're coming with sixty-two, let's say sixty-five thousand, or I think you made it seventy thousand, right? Because
3: all right with the attorney, costs.
2: you got those steep um, transfer tax kind of deal.
3: Yeah, that.
2: That's all. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of issues that that we came across when we were going through this stuff, and then let's talk about because right now, um, all of a sudden, he's he went dark on you for a bit. And then yesterday, I think he said, "No, nah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable because you asked him that you wanted him to transfer title to you, right?"
3: Right. So, um, when I proposed transferring the title over to me, and uh, I kind of explained it to him that he um, he 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 has the he has the protection like a recourse uh-huh. if anything happens, uh, God forbid, uh, if I stop paying or anything like that. He can always uh, foreclose and take back the house. Yep. And um, for my protection, I um, I needed the, the title transfer over. And um, he eventually responded just yesterday, saying, uh, "Unfortunately, he spoke to uh, a few people and consulted with uh, a few people, and uh, he doesn't feel um, confident enough uh, w- with this structure. Uh, he he would like to uh, not move forward."
2: Okay. All right. And th- now let's talk about the two, you know, just because of where you are, um, your taxes, your taxes are super high, right? 7,127 for the year on, uh, um, you know, I don't know what this property is assessed at right yeah. now, but. That was assessed based on 463K. Uh, in New Jersey, if you have a transaction and uh, let's say six hundred thousand will the city reassess your taxes like right away
3: um that's a good question i tried to um, research it I couldn't find a definitive answer based on my experience that didn't happen okay. when I the property
2: certainly something to keep in mind when your taxes are so high because you know if, if you're increasing the the value 150 grand that could increase your taxes, you know, in New Jersey by a couple grand as well. Yeah. Right. But I also heard
3: that they are planning to do reassessments uh, more often now. Like they, the last one was 2017. I don't know if there's one coming up this Uh, year. So maybe
2: then they they wait, but you know, there are some States that reassess based on the actual closing. Yeah. Uh, So uh, some, to, to watch out for you also have transfer tax right um, yeah. which is a, a tax based on the purchase price of the property that's paid at closing right okay um, and you offered to pay that correct yes okay which is probably something that's even more important in these transfer tax states because uh, it adds up that will what do you think it would be um, what would the transfer tax be in addition to your normal closing costs? Um I think it would be around 1%. Okay. That's not terrible. I've worked in states where it's almost 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you know, on a uh, 600000 I mean, you'd be coming up with almost $12,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, it adds that's up in a hurry. Cool. All right. So let's talk about how can we get this deal done kind okay of, um, I actually really liked your uh your offer um i, I think it it one he, one you took action even though you didn't have all the information, and that's sometimes really difficult to throw out something and it's like I don't even know if this would even make sense for the seller right because I don't have all the information uh, and I don't know why sellers think that they've got to protect themselves. They can't tell you what's owed or what their monthly payment is because somehow that gives you the upper hands. Not exactly true. What it does is it hurts them because we're just guessing now. Uh, So let's address this in a couple of different ways. First, what if we could go back to the seller and say, we can work this out where you can remain untitled that would be probably the first thing to do. And so when I own a piece of property, or when you do in this case, I would always rather have me be untitled. I think you would as as well. However, not always possible. What if you went back and said, what if we did this? We'll do a land contract. I believe that's what you use in New Jersey. Um, same term, same everything for two years at the end of those two years. So he'll remain untitled, right? So he has that, um, insurance and, uh, New Jersey may also have, you know, kind of a forfeiture process where, uh, if you were to default that he might be able to get the property back in a much quicker manner than a foreclosure so that might be enough and then say look after i've proven myself to you for two years where i've made payments on time and if i'm late on any one payment then it just stays as a land contract but the real goal should be is that you want to get on title it'll be much easier for you to refinance the property um you can certainly do it with the land contract you just might have to find the right mortgage broker that understands how to do it because you're not untitled. I still would want to be untitled. But maybe you can offer some kind of compromise where, hey, for two years, let me prove myself to you. I will make payments. And as long as I make them all on time, at the end of two years that we already have an agreement that it will switch to where it now allows me to be untitled. Nothing else changes. The note's all the same. You still get the same monthly payment but it'll allow me to start working toward refinancing and paying you off. Okay. Okay. So like that's that first idea. option. What's that?
1: I like that idea of going back in two years and saying, hey, can we transfer title now?
2: Yeah. Um, for Do you have access to like private money or um, uh, if it was like a really good situation? Uh, no,
3: I, I have developed some relationships with hard money lenders or, um, like non-conventional lenders. Um, no, no private money.
2: So that, that's one of the things that I would recommend that you start doing. If, if buy and hold is going to be what you're doing, um, you want to get away from the hard money because hard money is not... Hard money is more of, hey, I've got to fix her up or I'm going to buy it, rehab it, and then I'm going to refinance it, right? But it's even really short term. Most of your hard money is probably six months uh, max. You typically, as a buy and hold investor, want money for 12 or so months because um, now you have all the seasoning. Um, you can get a new appraisal based on. Um, what the value what what the property is bringing in now as opposed to before even though these are smaller multifamily and they're probably more off of comps they'll still allow you to use that new value as opposed to you know, what you bought it for and so what you want to start doing is finding people and it can be anyone right it could be your dentist your doctor your your attorney your cpa it could be and it doesn't even have to be a professional because you'd be surprised. People do have money. And most of the time uh, you, you're looking for money that's sitting in an IRA. That's not earning um, 5, 6, 7 8% super safely. Uh, you, you could be investing in the stock market right now, but it's a bit of a risk. What if we did something like this? If, if, and yep maybe this would make him feel a little more comfortable maybe not but what I would do is I would make so I'd go back and say look I want to work this out with you and I want you to feel comfortable with what we're doing Um, so I've got to ask you a question I know that you didn't want to tell me before but it will really help me I think now you see what I'm trying to do here I've got to ask what do you owe on this property and what's your monthly payment? And I'm going to try, I'm listening to what you're saying and what you're saying is I want to remain on title. I want to feel like, you know, I'm protected that way. And I may have a way to do that. (laughs) But for me to structure any of the other kinds of offers that I could make you, I got to know what I'm dealing with. Does that make sense? And now you've got a little more of a relationship. He probably thinks, hey, he's, he's at least real, right? You put together an offer. Um, so I'd go back and I, I would tell him, look, I really want to get this done. Um, it sounds like we had something and um, let's figure out where it went wrong and try to fix it. Okay. So one thing that I would look at is what if what if he doesn't owe 245 What if he owes like 180 And... Uh, now we could potentially do a subordination, where we'll pay them off. We'll pay off that debt, and we'll go borrow that money somewhere at a reasonable rate. Now, do you think someone would lend you two and a quarter on a property that's worth six fifty in first position? Um, uh, should be, I, all day long, people would do that, right? right? It's super safe. Okay. Okay. Now, your payment's going to be higher, and it's going to be interest only, and he, your seller's going to have to take back a second on the property, but in reality, he has a loan on it right now. Where's his equity? It's behind that mortgage, right? So, if he sells the property, who gets paid first? The uh, mortgage. Right. So, he's already kind of in second position in terms of his equity it's really no different except that now he's making that payment on the first as opposed to you're going to be making the payment on the first in the new scenario so um that that would be one thing that i would look at now he has no loan that might be one of the issues that he's having the other would be all right let's do it as a land contract at least for a couple of years until you feel even more comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. I might also come up with some different offers for him because I I really like your offer. And I think you could even offer him a little bit more um, because of the rapid principal pay down that you're getting. Um, You mean as far as the price? Yep. Yep. I might
1: Uh, change his mind on transferring title.
2: Well, maybe. Um, Yep. Uh, the price is really irrelevant for the most part in this, because if you're getting literally a hundred thousand dollars in principal pay down over the next five years, um, that for sure you're not getting it refinanced before that, right? Um, that you're keeping it as long as possible because you're not getting that with a bank loan. Right. You're going that even if you offered them twenty grand more and I would show him what he's going to make over the course of five years. So let's say that you went out right. and said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna pay you 615 for this property, plus you're making 4% um, over five years. You know, I'm not gonna show you what you're gonna net, I'm gonna show him what he's gonna gross. So I'm not gonna try to figure out what his cash flow is after making his underlying mortgage payment. Yeah, I'm gonna show him the bigger number, the gross,
3: and, I haven't thought about it. That's
2: that's amazing. Okay. Um, here's another option. Okay. Now, I, I personally think that you could do the sale, whether it's a land contract or um, wraparound mortgage, either one. Initially, when we talked, I was thinking that the taxes would be reassessed and that um, you still have that transfer tax. But th- these numbers still work. And I would tell you that, I, I would still look at doing a sale, but what if we did something like this? How about we start out as a lease option? You're renting the property, uh, okay. and it would really be like a master lease option. I'm going to rent the property, and I want the option price of 600000 same thing that I offered you before, yeah. um, and again, I want to be able to convert it. So. I want you to know that I'm going to follow through. So for two years, we'll do it like this. You remain the owner. Um, I will pay you, you know, a certain amount in rent. I want a portion of that to go toward principal, though, right? So maybe it's five hundred dollars, maybe it's seven fifty. Um, but you're also going to take on all the maintenance, all the repairs. Um, he is still going to pay the taxes and insurance, um, or maybe not, maybe you're gonna work that out. So you'll have to play with some numbers a little bit, Mm -hmm. but again, it's another way to get into this property, get control of it, prove yourself, and then have in your agreement that as long as I do what I'm supposed to do for the next 18 months, 24 months, that we now convert it to whatever. And even if it was only converted to a land contract, I would take it. Um, This is a deal. I wouldn't lose it because, you know, I can't quite get everything I want. But before I start throwing all this stuff at him, I would, I would call him up and I'd say, look, I've been doing some thinking. It seems like we were close. You're not quite comfortable. My guess is it's that you just don't truly trust me yet i totally get it i'm total stranger to you i'd like to see if we can sit down and figure this out because i think that it's a win-win for both of us and i I would love to get a little better idea of what your concerns are and let me see if i can overcome them awesome
1: yeah so i wouldn't let this
2: go yeah first ask deal
1: first ask him if he's open to a land contract, say, if we don't transfer title, uh, are you okay doing this deal, moving forward with this deal, if you can remain on title and we can do a land contract? Number one, if he's, if he's not okay with that, and then you say, okay, well, can we do a master lease option where, you know, you lease to me, I guarantee your payment every month, and then I'm going to sublease the property out and take the cash flow over that. And then you just need to work out, you know, who's paying for the expenses, the insurance and the, the taxes on the property. Um yeah, you're right, Jeff. That that'll get you into the deal. And you just you just have to level with them, and say, what are you uncomfortable with in this deal
2: with with not transferring title? Is it and that's where I would start, right there. Yeah. Before you start throwing out options is the that That's the question. I, I, I would I would say to him, Yep, yeah, I've been doing some thinking and um, it seems like we were close, but the, you're, you're just not comfortable with how I've presented this. I'd love to sit down with you. Yep, maybe I can even take you to lunch. We can discuss it uh, and see if we can come to a, a place where you are comfortable and so am I. Because I think we're really close to making this happen. And I would love to understand what your concerns are. Make okay. it about him, not about you. Got it. That's really valid. That's That's great. But I, I don't, I would not give up on the deal. Um, that's I, good. I think, thing. I think it is a deal and I think that you'll get it. Um, especially if you're a little more persistent with it. Uh, okay. So you, you're starting, you know, he, he's been thinking about this for what? A couple of weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah he, 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 it sounds like he wants to sell. He was intrigued by what you were offering. Now someone went and told them, well, that's kind of risky. Um, you know this or that could happen and uh, the advice could have been super poor. Uh, and I don't care if it comes from an attorney or not. It doesn't I've had plenty of attorneys tell me that you know this doesn't make any sense. It's like, I I don't I don't know what you're looking at, but I've only been doing this for 19 years, so um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of worked out every time that we've done it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my fear too. Because initially,
3: when I was looking for attorneys who have experience with seller owner finance deals, subject tools, it took me a few. To find uh, the right one, because uh, one of them that I spoke initially, they were like, no, this is too risky. Don't do that. I I would not recommend it.
2: Uh, It's like anything else, right? Um, This is a little bit outside of the box. It's a little bit outside of conventional thinking. If you go to a realtor and they don't understand this, what's their immediate answer? No, I don't want to do it. It doesn't work. If I go to an attorney and they don't understand this their answer is no with sellers they don't necessarily understand this so the more that you're able to break down those issues that they may have the better that you will have a chance of getting the deal done and um, and I would just say tell me what it is that's that's bothering you and let's see if we can fix it I don't know if I can but I'd love to take a shot at it. Um, And what I would tell me personally is that, look, I consider myself a problem solver and uh, we're up against a couple of problems. I, I love the challenge of trying to figure out how I can overcome these problems and create solutions for you and for me. Awesome, yeah, that's great.
1: And he's already agreed to the deal, so he's halfway there. I mean, he's, yeah. he's agreed to the terms anyway. Yeah. Um, did you send him a, a contract when he when he agreed to this, and then he just hasn't signed and he sat on it, or was it just no? A to be, to be honest,
3: I don't even have contracts, anything like that yet. I just so it's all you, verbal, right?
1: Have yeah, you sent him a letter of intent? Email.
3: I send him like the breakdown of what we spoke and agreed on about, and uh, that that's written in, in an email. Account. Okay.
2: So one of the other things you got to be careful about, fruit is, first of all, he's taking this information that maybe he doesn't totally understand, and now is trying to explain it to someone else that may or may not understand either. So some things may be getting lost in translation. Uh, So one of the things that maybe would be best is if you could actually sit down with him and show him how this would work make sure that he's clear on it because if he's trying to explain it to someone else he might not be doing a very good job of it okay right uh,
3: no yeah i'm sure because uh, initially for him to be comfortable i i even advised him to find an attorney or a lawyer uh, who would understand this and uh,
2: talk to them um, and I'm, i guess uh, he may have a difficult time just like it was difficult yeah. for you that's why I'd be like, hey, I want you to talk to this attorney.
3: Yeah. yeah, You're right. I have to sit down with him and talk to him.
1: And if you have, if you already have an attorney that's familiar with doing these transactions, say, look, would you like to talk to my attorney? He understands the process a lot better. Maybe that would ease his mind. Yeah. Um, I'd I set
2: up a time. You know, I'd have a conversation with him. I'd find out what the issues are. Um, a lot of times, and it's so funny to me, but if... The attorney says, "Yeah, yeah, this is fine. We can do it this way." Blah blah blah. Then all of a sudden, they're fine. Yeah, uh, they, exactly. they, for whatever reason, need to hear it from their, not their attorney, uh, attorney. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and you can always use title company or your real estate attorney um, as you know, credibility for you and the deal you're making, because if they're uncomfortable with it or they don't think it's legit, you can say, Hey, talk to my title company or talk to my attorney and they can answer any questions you might have um, pertaining to the legal aspects of the deal. And so they, they might be okay after that phone call. So always, if you already have a, an attorney that does this, say, Hey, would you talk to my attorney? Ask him that question. Okay. I'm making up that. Yeah, then definitely send him an email. Show him how much he's gonna gross. I mean, that's a great suggestion. Um, and then you know, if if he's uncomfortable still transferring title after all that, say, what if we can give you a little more money?
2: Okay. okay. Yep, that's great.
1: But I mean, your terms, your terms are great, right there. You got good cash flow, great principal pay down over five years. Um, you know the. the your, your payment is, is pretty low. Um, so I, yeah, I love your terms as well. Like he, I, if, if he's already agreed to that then it's just a matter of what is he afraid of and then, you know, overcoming that fear for him, that's it. You can make this still happen. Yeah.
3: Okay. That's, that's great. Uh, like right now talking to you guys, it's, it's, it's great because, um, I, I have been hesitant about this deal as well because I do not have experience and I have probably similar uh, anxiety about this just like the seller because I'm this is something that I haven't done I'm not confident so um, to get this validation from you guys now I can be more uh, when
2: you bought that first property and you had to watch YouTube videos to figure out how to repair it did you have some anxiety then oh yeah yeah that it took me over a year to decide to move for did, did are you a little bit better about it now yeah all right uh-huh. same thing right um it's something new to you uh yeah i'm telling you you structured it really well uh that that's the biggest part i mean this could have been a gigantic mess and we had to unwind it all and try to figure out truly how to structure it but i, I like the way that you structured it i think that's it works just fine uh right. could there we you. come up with different offers of course but we have the same issue. We don't truly know how much he owes and we don't know what his monthly payment is. Uh, We know what he wanted. And uh, to be honest, what he wanted suits you. Um, Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll give you a good enough payment and you'll give me a good enough amount of principal. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to play with that. Um, I I like that. Leave that alone. Cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. I hope that's been helpful. Farouk, you have any more questions for Jeff or myself?
3: Yes. One big question, actually, Jonathan. Um, I, I've been listening to uh, earlier podcasts and uh, one of them, one of the attorneys that you guys um, spoke with, he mentioned that um, title is not the same thing as a deed. And I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm still not 100% on that. What well, what's the difference? Like when we keep saying uh that he stays on the title,
2: yeah. Is that the same as the deed or do you want to answer this, Jonathan, or you want me to?
1: Um so I'm I'm trying to think of the the attorney he's referring to uh, it's, I it's jacks. either
2: Jax or Jeff, yeah, dude, jacks or Jeff. Yeah, guessing jacks And I think
1: what he was referring to is um, you know, ownership and who remains on title. There's there's kind of two different things. I guess there's like a fee simple title, right, Jeff? And then uh, I can't remember the other, but um, anyway, so there's, you know, who who who's on legal title and then who actually has ownership and they're, they can be distinguished just by a contract. So, and, and I'm, I'm assuming this was Jack's petty that we brought on, but uh, what he was talking about in that episode is if you have a contract, you're you have a contract with that owner. We call it contract for deed here, same as a land contract over there. You have a contract taking ownership of that property, and there's actually a bill of sale attached to it, um, and you know, quick claim deed and all that stuff. So you're actually, in essence, the owner of that property at that time when you when you sign that land contract but you're not legally on title yet. Um, and it's the exact same thing. We always, we always make this um, reference. It's the exact same thing as owning a car uh, or when you go buy a car from the, ba- you know, and use bank, use a bank to finance it. Right. You're the mm-hmm. owner of the car, um, but you don't, you don't have the physical title in your hand, even though the title's in your name. Right. Um, same with, with contract for deed or a land contract. Um, you don't, have the title yet, but you have ownership of the property. The property is yours to do what you want with. Did I did I kind of answer that? Yeah. Further? So basically a better explanation of that, Jeff?
2: So I would tell you that you are signing a deed in all of these. The the difference is is that with a land contract or contract for deed, that deed is not getting recorded with the county recorder. It's being held in, in escrow. And the reason that that your seller may want to stay on title, I mean, there's usually two reasons, two reasons only. One, feels more comfortable, more in control. If they don't give up title, they feel like uh, they, they, if everything goes bad, that they're, they're still in charge. Second, their underlying mortgage has a due on sale clause on it. And they're concerned that if they transfer title, and that mortgage holder finds out that they might call the loan due. Those are the two issues. Okay? Got on a normal sale, um, if you paid cash, you would get a deed. You would be on title. It would be recorded. If you did a wraparound mortgage, you would get a deed. It would be on title. It would be recorded. On a contract for deed or land contract, you're signing the deed. It's going to you it's not getting recorded yet
1: yeah very good very
2: good So it's not rec- it's not being
3: recorded means the seller stays on title that's right yeah uh, oh, now, there, there, there would not- be
2: some ways to protect you so a notice of interest or a memorandum mm-hmm. of contract or whatever it is that it's called in your area would be placed on title on the property that way your seller's not going and selling it to someone else while they, you know, you own it. Uh, he's not going and borrowing more money that than he should, because you own it. Yeah. Um, he's you're clouding the title. You're you're making it uh impossible for him to do anything with this property until unless he let you know, you would have to be notified about it. Got exactly. it. Um, that that's your protection. Yeah. And then your contract, which is that, hey. I own this house and you know, I can go do with it what I want, but I don't have title yet. And the way that I get title is I pay him off. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You fulfill the
1: contract.
3: I'm thinking in terms of if I, if we go ahead with the land contract, um, basically that's going to, that's going to be the scenario,
2: right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. And uh, so I would tell you, um, it is always better to have title okay? it, it is you're in more control. Yeah. However, by transferring title, you do always have an issue and that's that due on sale clause. Mm-hmm. So if the lender were to find out they could call the loan due doesn't happen very often. Um, actually it happens even less often than people think, yeah. but it is a possibility. It could happen. Uh, with uh, when transferred, when title doesn't transfer, technically they can't call the loan due. That's what the due on sale clause means is that you've transferred title and haven't paid us off. Got it. So, in some ways, you're still protecting the seller, but you're also protecting both of you in terms of the due on sale clause. That's why I wonder when you talk to this guy and you find out what some of the issues are, that might be the issue. Got it. You'll we'll have to find out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. That's great. Yeah. Thanks again, Farouk, for coming on. Um, (coughs) And to our listeners out there, we'd love to do more of these kind of episodes where we bring you on and we, we talk about your deal and, um, and then, you know, if you don't have terms structured yet, which you already did on this one, Farouk, you had, you know, pretty good terms in place already that the seller agreed on. But, We'd love to help you guys out there structure the terms um, and then, you know, overcome any objections like this. I mean, this was, this is a good like objection handling um, episode, right, Jeff? Because we get to talk about like, okay, there's, you know, there's a concern here and he doesn't want to move forward because of that concern. How do you handle that?
2: Um, So hopefully- It wasn't much deal structuring because we're, we're, we're one, I think Ferg's deal, uh, his offer was really good. But two, we just don't have that information that we need to know if we could tweak it a bit. Um, I could come up with more offers, but I like his and the seller apparently liked his. So I don't want to screw with that. Um, The only other thing I'm thinking is maybe he's afraid to wrap his underlying mortgage. So the due on sale clause, you know, all of that. Um, So it might be as simple as, if I could still remain on, on title, um, I would sell you this property and I would say, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. No, yeah. In terms of like, um, <laughs> what my actual challenge is that that was very valuable. So thank you so much for uh, to you both uh, for taking the time and for inviting me, um, to the, to the
2: podcast. Our yeah. pleasure. Thanks for, for sure. uh, calling in and being a part.
1: Yeah. And let us know how it goes. Um, you know, if you're able to, to overcome those eject objections, uh, just leave us a voicemail if you would. Um, you know, if you're able to get this deal done, we'd love. Sounds to good. You.
3: Yeah. I will keep you updated.
1: Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. good All luck to you. You. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, man. Yeah. You can jump off. We're going to end it. All right. Okay, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, I'm, I hope you guys have gained value out of this episode in the same way that Farouk has, um, with, you know, more, more of, um, overcoming objections, but you know, there was also some key takeaways on, um, on his terms that he, uh, proposed to the seller as well. You know, get in light. He, he offered 5% down. Um, He he kept his monthly payment low so that there's still cash flow there. Um, And in the end, he was calculating his cash on cash return. So he was taking into account um, the amount of money he would have to put into the rehab um, and the amount that he would be giving to the seller. Um, Another thing too here is he was just driving around calling for rent signs. Right. And that's, you know, if you're, if you're a hustler, you're out there trying to make this happen. That's a great, great strategy. You know, just anytime you see a for rent sign outside of a house or a triplex, fourplex, whatever, um, call the number. And say, Hey, you, you wouldn't be interested in selling, would you? And just see what they say, because you never know. So that was, you know, that's, that's a good way of finding properties. So there's a lot of takeaways uh, in this episode and, and I hope you guys, um, have gotten that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you um so if you got a deal you're working on like this or you know maybe you have a seller that has you know some objections and you're not sure what to do maybe you're close on a deal give us a call we'd love to hear from you our uh, hotline number is 877-409-8090 again 877-409-8090 you can also text cfp or creative financing to that number to uh, to get the link to a special video where Jeff walks you step-by-step step on you know creating offers and um, taking a deal from start to finish. And then uh, Jeff, you also offer some apprenticeship programs. Um, I think you got just two, you one want to now. talk a bit? Oh, just one, okay. You yep. going to talk about uh, that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I'm
2: looking at, at working with people, only people that really want to follow directions and make some money and be able to go do this on their own. Uh, We're working with people all over the country. We're working on single family homes, multifamily, and uh, my new favorite commercial. And uh, yeah, just call the hotline and say that you wanna learn a little more about the apprentice program. There's zero pressure, right?
1: Right, awesome. Cool, guys. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Facebook at the Creative Financing Podcast, and then um, you can find all of our episodes on the Creative Financing Till next time, go out there and create some terms.